Hello, Bonesaw friends. This is Evan Pardue of Underhill Bonesaw, and welcome to episode 33 of Little Things for Bonesaw People, the podcast. Uh, this time, I am joined by my co-host, Carmen Leskovianski. How are you going? Hi, how's it going? How are you going? Um, How are you going? I'm going. We're Australian now. Yeah. <laughs> Do they say that in Austria? Yeah. That's Not a, in Austria. How are, oh, how are you doing? They say, how are you going? Really? Yeah. Oh, well, uh, I know we have uh, a handful of Australian listeners out there. So how are you going? I apparently stumbled upon one of y'all's greetings. And I'm still going to say that's y'all. That's how it started. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> how you going? How you going? Uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, for you guys who don't know, I... We kind of uh, we kind of stopped mentioning this earlier on, but uh, Carmen is Michael Hagedorn's current apprentice at the Cartagus Bonsite Garden, um, and I probably said Cartagus wrong, but anyway. Um, and today we will be discussing our recap on the American Bonsai Society Learning Seminar. I know y'all love it. We've been talking about it seems like every episode now <laughs> but we're back this is the last time you're gonna hear about it but we have some trees this is this is an interesting episode where you have some trees to talk about um from the from the show that we really liked and then we're gonna do some some critique on them uh and Carmen kind of give us an outline of how this critique's gonna work because you put it better than I did earlier oh sure yeah so we figured we'd you know go over what happened in Denver since we've been talking about it so much. Um, we couldn't just come back and, you know, not say anything. So um, we've got some interesting trees and we'll go through and say some of the things we really like about them and some of the things that, you know, could change to improve the tree um, and go from there, I think. Kind of like our usual critiques. Yeah. So n- none of these critiques are like because the tree has bad qualities or this is a bad tree. Uh Full respect to all of the people who design these trees and care for these trees. 100%. But these these trees will be posted on our Instagram. You can go over to uh, Little Things for Boneside People on Instagram. And under the description where it says trees from the Denver ABS show, episode 33. And you can go look at the trees. We're going to go through them in order. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to get through all of them with the time we have, but uh we're gonna we got about what i got on there like one two three four five six seven so we might get through all these uh some of them i thought were interesting and some of them i you know uh you were worth talking about and i unfortunately did not include the best in show conifer on this list but you know we can also which recap was the that. best in show conifer i thought it, it wasn't this ponderosa which one was it, it was dan's tree i can't remember dan's last name but dan with the really tall uh, oh, I thought that was I thought that was the John Naka. I thought best in oh, that, show. That was John Naka the, award. The the da, 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 this pondy by Dusty, but I'm not it's, sure. That's the one of the ones we have on the. I think list. so. I think that was the one. Okay. Well, we but can anyway. we can uh, go back. I'm sure someone's gonna make a post later on and go to Rocky Mountain Bonsai Society, and I'm hoping that they'll have a list all, either on their Facebook or maybe on their website uh, showing. The winners of certain awards but uh before we get too stop too far <laughs> let me uh let me mention that this podcast is sponsored by our amazing patrons over on patreon.com uh we have a list of patrons called bonsai best buds and they've been supporting the show uh starting the list off with tori solis warehouse rat 
Boyd Snellgrove, Ricky Ruins, Joshua Bentley, Snappy Chappers, Ryan Giordano, Joel Jenkins, Justin Knight, Backyard Bonsai Australia, the ladies at the flower market actually got to meet her at the show. She was really nice. Uh, Taylor Peacock, Chase Pertweet, and Vicky Off. Thank you guys for so much for supporting our show. Every little bit counts. It helps us grow. Helps us uh, helps us keep going and sharing the, the the love of bonsai. And it puts a smile on her face because <laughs> man, do we need a lot of reassuring uh, that you know bonsai is not an easy career. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway. Yeah, so these trees, like, let's try to recap the. Do you remember the the awards that you can remember? Um, hey, I'm I'm looking at somebody's post so that I can actually see. Oh, so so somebody did make a post about it. Yeah, um, Dan from Backcountry did. Yay, Dan! I got to meet Dan. It was so funny. I got to meet so many people that I've only met online, um, including the co-founder of the Purple Pot Society. I'd never actually met her in person, so it was really fun to actually, you know, meet the person that that you started, <laughs> started this, this whole thing, thing with. with. <laughs> uh, by the way, plug it in there, uh, Purple Pot Society, real quick. Oh yeah, so Purple Pot Society—that's the National Women's Bonsai Group. Um, founded by myself and my friend sam and we had a it was really cool we had a table at abs we did a panel on women in bonsai and we were able to award a scholarship to one woman there to cover her costs um so that her funds you know instead could go to her workshop material and whatever else um to help pay for the conference so trying to it was really fun to actually be able to do that and um like see our mission in action so yeah super cool and congratulations to the winner of the the scholarship too. Yeah, Jamie Harrington. Woo! Yeah, awesome. Um, but yeah, they had I know as far as awards, there was best in show, and then there was uh, your typical uh, list from down there. It was uh, conifers, best conifer, best deciduous, mm-hmm. yeah, John Naco Award, which is I think that's that's, that's for uh, best best native tree. That that is the best native tree award. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't know if best native tree was separate from John Naka. I thought it was separate because that was like an, an ABS thing. Mm, I think it's. I mean, I think the John Naka. I think it's a native tree. I don't know if it's specifically listed, but I think that's generally what they do with it. I'd have to okay. double check. Uh, just quick check. Has my mic been coming in clear? Yeah, you're fine. Okay. okay good uh but yeah so did you find a list of winners or did you um i don't have everybody we also had there was also best kusumono um this was the first time abs hosted a kusumono display for judging um and what else was there i can't remember all of them Mm. was there a best tropical there was there was and um I think one of the trees we're going to be looking at, I think it won that. Oh, did that one win? I believe so. Amazing. I'm going to look it up on ABS and see. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> if they have it, they'll probably have it there. Uh, if you can find it later on, we can revisit that. Mm-hmm. But uh, Oh, and there was the new talent competition. Yep. The new talent competition that was uh, presented by Superfly Bonsai. Uh, got to meet the... Uh, the runner and owner of Superfly, great guy Andy. Uh, shout out to him. Go over to SuperflyBoneside.com. Uh, he's, he's a good dude. Uh, not sponsor or anything, just a cool guy. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, do you remember who won the 
the new talent? Um, I think I I don't know for sure. I don't know if it was a second place or a first place. I think it was um. No, I can't remember his name. On this episode, Evan and Carmen jog their memories. Uh, yeah, on this episode, <laughs> Carmen and Evan stumble through award winners. <laughs> Congratulations to everybody who won an award. We're so sorry we don't remember your name. Oh, well. But yeah, anyway. It'll be listed somewhere at some point. But I cannot find it on the internet. That's yeah, fine. Uh, it was Josh something. Josh Maybe. something. Congratulations, Josh something. something. Congratulations. <laughs> or but, he was uh, a runner-up. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no, no. It was... um. Shoot, Dave. His name was Dave. Who won? New talent. We should edit this part out. This is terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's it's funny though. So if it doesn't get too much more embarrassing, I think it's just enough for Matt to keep it in. Um, yeah, I think um, I think Josh was a runner up. I got to talk to him after he was super cool. Dave, I can't remember his last name, um, but he was the winner of new talent, and I remember his juniper was very nice. There was a lot of a lot of talent in the new talent. I've been to these some of these shows where. They've done new talent and there were, you know, only four people in the competition or, you know, some of the trees came out looking a little bit rough, but, um, yeah, everything was consistent across they the were, board. I think these. there were like 16 participants. This was the biggest mm-hmm. one they've ever had. And a lot of those trees were pretty well done. Like, I think it was a pretty good competition. Um, yeah. kind of a, a whole range of, of, you know, work that people were trying to do different kind of styles and, Really nice material too. Really nice shimpakus. Yep. Yeah. Uh, kind of give more of a, like a visual. I guess a visual, an audio visual uh, for the listeners. They gave them all these really awesome shimpakus. They had really nice twisted trunks. Lots of good mm-hmm. movement and just enough foliage, uh, like good branching and stuff to kind of go through. And I. I would I think I would have judged it in a particular way and it maybe it was judged this way. I think they were looking for a mixture of of good wire application and and also form and then best use of material. Mm-hmm. Um cuz I mean we're talking junipers and juniper is is the material for form. Uh mm-hmm. because the foliage is usually pretty straightforward to kind of wire out and then you're looking to either frame in your silhouette or your or your feature of your tree. Um, and that's kind of my take on the conifer mindset. I don't get to work with a lot of conifers, unfortunately, but that is probably the most honest and straightforward approach. What mm-hmm. do you what do you think? You think that's how I'd you love think to, about it? Yeah, I'd love to see what they were judging on. Um, but I think um I think they were looking for overall, you know, um structural wiring of the trees so did people pick you know a front that was good that showed the movement did they add shari did they add deadwood um was the the structure of the branching you know correct i I, that might not be the right word but did it make sense um how the branches were bent and moved into place how were the angles of you know the branches set um was there enough foliage left on the tree for it to survive was there too much left on for it to be considered styled um Mm. and did people you know tilt the tree did they give it a new angle or did they just use it you know kind of how they got it so 
Um, They were probably looking at a bunch of those different things. And um, there's kind of a whole range of, of what people did there. And I I think that, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just talking now. Go ahead. Uh, That's okay. (laughs) I, uh, when you said tilt it, it, it tilted me. Uh, it's kind of a joke, but like I get tilted by the fact that people don't tilt their trees. Oh, I get it. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's super lame. But, uh, one of the things I think that a lot of beginners, when they go in, they take a piece of raw material and they don't know what to do with their material and they think it's there's something off or they're looking for more on a, on a trunk line or you're just not happy with the way the tree is angled or stands. I think mm-hmm. tilting is one of the most underutilized aspects of bonsai design that anyone anyone that is working, especially with something as versatile as a juniper conifer species, because mm-hmm. it's very difficult to change uh, those these certain things about these trees when mm-hmm. it's simply it's as simple as like and one of the, some of the trees we're gonna be looking at here in just a second i remember you saying we were looking at some of these trees in person you were like if if only you would tilt that tree not not tilt it like you know just cantilever it but tilt right. it as in twist twisting tilt like towards the viewer like a certain aspect of the deadwood or get a better branch placement because that because mm-hmm. something was moved just up or down or backwards or forwards mm-hmm. um so especially yeah. when it comes to yamadori and there's a lot of yamadori down there in in denver um it's like <laughs> there, prime yamadori country it's all alpine <laughs> conifers it's there's it's great and um but you get these trees and you can't change that trunk that's you know 300 years old with all this deadwood so how do you make it more versatile you tip it you angle it um even here in the yard when i'm working with you know junipers we've been growing out for 15 years that haven't totally been styled yet but we're you know we're kind of getting there i almost go as far as turning them upside down like i put them all the way you know i i look at it from every direction to see if i if there's something better than what i'm seeing so um yeah when we were there i was definitely noting that some of these trees could be you know just a little bit more interesting or you know a little bit more impressive if you just tipped it or shifted it a little bit um to put some of those points of interest towards the viewer yeah that's that's a that's a really good point on that like uh especially on the yamadori i'd mentioned you Mm -hmm. there's there like such an old piece of respectable stock you just mm-hmm. can't change that easy. Um, so let's let's go ahead and get into it since we mm-hmm. since we have uh, plenty of beautiful trees to look at. Um, and well, you know, unfortunately, uh, Mike couldn't be Mike couldn't be here to talk to us and talk with us about this uh, this first tropical that we're looking at. So mm-hmm. I should have all the photos lined up in order. So the first one uh, that's going to be on on the Instagram under under uh little things for bonsai people go to episode 33 to me in the comments of the images uh it's a tiger bark ficus it's in a looks like a cream colored pot and Mm. it's got a really it's a very robust tree i mean this tree Mm -hmm. is is, i'm gonna go ahead and say it it's a chunk it's a chunky tree um and i have i have some some points i would make to like to make about this tree Mm -hmm. uh but I would like you don't get to see a lot of tropicals like this where you're at currently. Yeah. Correct. So what's your first impression before I go off on a little um, here? 
Well, so back at the University of Michigan, we have a fairly sizable tropical collection and they're, but they're varying in quality. We've got some really nice ones. We've got some that kind of need some work. Um, but out here in Portland, I really don't see that many tropicals. And my first impression of this tree was that it was really, really, really great, um, particularly for uh, a tree in a show. I feel like a lot of times I see a lot of ficus in shows because um, a lot of beginners start with ficus and you don't always get this kind of chunky, thick trunk, thick branching. There's a lot of ramification. It's just a really beautiful tree. It's it's It looks very much like you would expect a bonsai to look. Um, just really healthy, nice small leaves, um, good branching, good ramification. Just overall, I was impressed with it. I really liked this one. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for my critique? <sighs> also, the moss is really nice. Also, I know who did this tree, and she's also very nice. Oh yeah, I had I had the pleasure of meeting her. <laughs> oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> not that it's anything against the person. I just I like. No, 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 no. And and my critique's not to be mean, like we said earlier. But oh, these yeah, are yeah. things to improve. Mm -hmm. uh, and and these are my opinions too. I mean, you can take this for a grain of salt. So uh, you know, have an opinion. If the owners of these trees are listening, sorry. But Feel also, send Evan an email. Yeah, not me. No, I'm just kidding. My, my email is Evan at Underhill Bonsai. <laughs> I have no shame. I look at bonsai all day long, and if I say something weird, then I'm sorry. But um, but yeah, the first thing that stands out to me is uh, is how robust the base is, and that's mm -hmm. really great. And one of the best things about tiger bark ficuses is their textural bark. And the more surface area you have of that to show off, the more impressive it is. The more the more people are going to be looking at that trunk and the trunks are just going to feel bigger and bigger. Uh, and the pot selection mm -hmm. is one of the things that I think that's just enough, but I mm -hmm. feel like, I feel like the container could be a different glaze. I think it's a little too similar to the trunks color. Mm. I think I'd like to see it in something a little bit more, suggestive of a texture as as textured as the tree is because the tree tiger barks are not smooth they're not like a ficus benjamia or or other kind of like your silvery smooth bark ficuses mm -hmm. they have a little bit of a rougher texture so even an unglazed container with like a darker tone and some grogginess to it like something yeah. that 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 would feel in my opinion a mm -hmm. little more appropriate Mm -hmm. um now i like the pot otherwise though like i think the shape is great and um i think the size is really nice because it's just a little bit small which makes the trunk look even bigger yeah, it makes it look massive yeah. but yeah i think color it'd be fun to play with different colors and see what else you could do it might be as simple as getting that same shape mm -hmm. and just getting it on glazed or getting yeah. something that's bluish greenish teal i've seen some really great glazes matte though mm -hmm. not something crazy poppy because it's not a flowering plant mm -hmm. but um the one of the things that kind of makes me and i'm i'm a little bit more uh critical on on containers containers are easy to to switch out as long as it's proper properly sized it's not a major thing you have to ask from the tree for the tree especially if you can slip pot or make an easy transfer so mm -hmm. that that's not as offensive as a critique i feel um but that the way that the tree is so big 
that you need a pot that's that feels a little masculine, but it's a ficus, mm-hmm. so it kind of teeters on that back and forth. So yeah. I do like that the pot doesn't have a decorative lip. It's the solid mm-hmm. straight line lip. So yeah. that's it's a really, really nice. strong pot. Yeah. But it's a very soft shape. Yeah, soft shape. And then I think the color is just a little too soft. Mm-hmm. So and it's and that's that's just me. But uh mm-hmm. but yeah, I do agree. Coming up from the top to the mossing, the mossing was beautiful. I like to mm-hmm. see the moss right on the rim or right like just a little above the rim, not mounding. We're doing a great job here for what I mm-hmm. see. And this tree is right up my alley too, because I love little short fat trees. I know I showed a broom style big grandulous water helm but uh but i do like short fat trees a lot and a mm-hmm. lot of my yopon hollies look like this i would um, happily have this tree in my collection oh yeah uh, mm-hmm. but as i come up the trunk line i see something that's fighting a little bit here um we have this beautiful branch that drops to the right so this is going to be from uh left to right for the viewer here um and that that branch is beautiful it's chunky it's huge it sets precedence for the rest of the tree, which is also as 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 gnarly. And we can get away with gnarly, chunky trees because of uh, if you guys have listened to Mike's expressions on Taiwanese influenced uh, bonsai, there's a lot of grotesque, chunky, big things that kind of seem like they break the rules a little bit. But mm-hmm. given that this is a ficus and the style in Taiwan is a little bit more of a big, giant chunk uh, and quick. But you could see the movements in this. And there's like, there's a scar down in there uh, on that first branch where you can see it sunken in. But that that's enough to give it that interest point to carry you through that branch. And mm-hmm. so my point here with that is that that branch on the left is too similar, in my opinion. Mm. And, it, and it pulls you into a, into a T-pose. Um, and this is me, uh, but I would cut that off to the next shoulder and throw some asymmetry on that tree. And I think it would be stellar. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you could let the crown come out. It comes out a good bit on that side, but then I do see right above that left piece too, there's some foliage that looks a little unkept. Mm-hmm. Um, and with ficuses, we could be real particular. We could line up all these, we could line up the, all this foliage into the, you see the padded lines to this tree. Um, so some some detail wiring on that. You know, you could defoliate this tree very easily. Uh, tiger bark ficuses are very strong. So one of the things that that the, the artist could do is could go in there and tidy up that canopy. And I feel like it really would dial this tree in and take it to that next level. That, that, and that's that's me being very crucial. No, I, I like it. I think um, a lot of times when you do show ficus and stuff, especially in Taiwan, um you see a lot of things defoliated so you can really see all of the ramification and this tree has a lot of ramification and I think it would be interesting to try showing it without its leaves. Mm. Um, I would like, I see, I don't think I would cut that branch on the left off, but I think I would maybe reduce it um, so that it wasn't, so that it didn't really draw your eye over as much uh, because I kind of like it, but yeah, some more definition between the pads. And I think, I mean, it's hard to see because it's the way the lighting is in the picture. But um, yeah, I think if you did show it defoliated too, you could get that real clear distinction between all of the pads for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not talking about completely remove that thing back to oh. the trunk base. Mm-hmm. Oh, just like, to the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. You see where it comes up and there's mm-hmm. a, there's a clear space between yeah. the foliage there. I would take yeah. it to there. Right in there. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because yeah, then could you could grow yourself a little nice, finer. You know, not there's nearly already like a little branch right there. Could just thicken that up and lay it down and. Yeah, and work with yeah. it. Yeah, it's uh, a, nice, a nice little tree. It is. It's a cute tree. I like it, and it wasn't. Um, it wasn't very big either. This this tree's probably yeah. chewhin sized. Yeah, like twelve inches ish. Yeah, it's very very nice, compact, and mm-hmm. like like you were saying, there's not a lot of uh, tiger barks like this out there that you get that good of a base on it. Um, yeah, it's so. really, really meaty. Yeah, I think this one got best tropical, I think, but I don't want to so go cute. in on or was it. There, was it the bluebell? No, it wasn't. Uh, the same artist also had the bluebell. I, I didn't take yeah. a picture of the bluebell, but the uh, same artist had a bluebell, which is the Desmodium. It's also a spectacular tree, had mm-hmm. just crazy amounts of twisted movement. Um, I've seen those trees down in Florida, how they are developed and stuff uh mm-hmm. getting a tree with that caliber it had about like an inch and a half or so trunk base down into a beautiful flare on the nabari and, and it just was a really erratic back and forth tree with lots of good movement um so yeah uh kudos kudos to this artist uh and having tropical plants uh that are good you know uh i don't know if she was a resident to the rocky mountain society yeah. club yeah, but she is. okay yeah uh because a lot of the other stuff that we're we were seeing were alpine mm-hmm. um so but yeah any closing statements for the tiger bark um if you ever decide to sell it let me know <laughs> you, <laughs> you know i i i got a i know a guy uh he lives yeah, in oh, florida yeah. he I might be able to right. hook you up <laughs> yeah he's got some nice trees i guess yeah, there's, there's, he's got some mostly show him, you know, nice, yeah, nice little chunky trees. Yeah, we might, we might be able to talk to somebody. About I could that. reach out to him, maybe. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the next juniper or the next tree is a juniper. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a species of juniper I'm not terribly familiar with, is but it, Rocky Mountain. No, uh, next one over, it'll be the 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 short squat juniper. Oh, uh juniperus horizontalis so it's a mm-hmm. a uh hughes juniper and this one i wish that this one was as far as the uh the arrangement of the display i feel like there was more to be had with this tree because like the stand that it was on and where it was placed it, mm-hmm. it it really didn't like ask people to come look at it they felt a little yeah. off the side unfortunately um so, uh, but yeah, when you were looking at this picture, it feels less impressive because it doesn't feel the, it doesn't fill up the stand as much, but mm-hmm. it was uh, a chunky, it was another one, like two in size, real yep. thick base, um, but it was kind of out there in the open. So maybe a, a, a more restricted, um, display area. Do you see the you picture? Know. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, so I wanted to talk about this one because I, I found this juniper to be, pretty different compared to and when i say different i don't mean anything bad uh like just it's just a little not what you expect because with junipers Mm -hmm. usually strong junipers have strong trunk lines and defined elements in its the way that it's structured um Mm -hmm. and and i think the showcase here is more the deadwood which i find i found to be i found the deadwood to be very charming on this tree 
Um, mm-hmm. It's got this grotesqueness and kind of twist, kind of twisted nature to it um, that doesn't really show off the live veins as much as mm-hmm. you would expect too. That's another thing that kind of caught my eye with it is like, it's if maybe a lot of the dead lot, the deadwood, I mean, the live veins that attach the deadwood, maybe they come from the back much more. Um, and we're getting more of a driftwood style kind of thing going mm-hmm. on here. But yeah, I see, I see a lot of padding in, in branch placement that is just not typical, but at the same time, I, I didn't dislike the design. I actually appreciate it because it, it felt a little bit bold for the, the material and the, the way that it, the, the way that everything's just kind of arranged. Um, mm-hmm. So before I go too far into how I feel, what, what are you thinking on this one? Cause I remember you were, you were a little, a little diff- indifferent about this one. I I'm torn on this tree because I'm drawn to it. Um, I like it, but I think there's some things that could be improved that would really kick it up a notch. Um, probably the biggest thing that I noticed about this tree is that most of the foliage is juvenile, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it seems more as though this one's been treated, uh, kind of clip and grow to create the pads like you would with, the. um, the uh some of the other needle junipers um rather than the scale junipers i think when this one has mature foliage i think it has a, a scale um leaf or whatever yeah i'm looking it up call. to see the hues juniper i'm looking up to see yeah um, so it's a little bit more of a coarse juniper okay um so i think i'd like to see some of the pads kind of wired out and maybe I, I guess it depends on what the artist is doing if they're treating it kind of like a clip and grow um and keeping the juvenile foliage on purpose or if they're if it's just been cut back really hard and kind of in that juvenile phase um i think the deadwood is really interesting uh usually with juniper there's more twists in the trunk and so you don't really have a lot of twists here um some of the younger branches uh could be wired out and kind of twisted at this point and then you know cut back to in the future if that was something the artist wanted to do but um it might not go with the tree because it's kind of a different style for a juniper um but i liked how i think bold was the right word it's a thick trunk kind of a small tree and it's really it has a presence um Mm -hmm. so i think to I think the flow of this tree is down to the right. And I, so I think it's too far over in the pot to the right. I think I'd like to see it moved over to the left. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, then those those two low branches are really close as to which one's lower. Um, so it's kind of tricky even to tell, but I think it's a right flow tree. So I'd like to see it moved over to, towards the left in the pot. And I think that would help a lot with the overall balance of this tree. And you, you know, the deadwood might actually be sticking out of the pot at that point, which could be really interesting. Yeah, I do agree that it does have a right flow. And I'm going to I'm going to say something zany again, like I said, with the ficus, oh. like like the <laughs> the uh, the branch flowing to the right. I feel like uh, if it was my choice, it was my tree, I would cut it right off mm. and change the flow entirely. I would cut that off 
And then where the crown comes up and it makes that round mm-hmm. kind of shape at the top there, I would cut that back even further. Yeah. Uh, I see some thinner branches that maybe, you know, and I don't have a 360 of this tree, but it looks like you could bring one of those branches around mm-hmm. and kind of make something a little bit more wild. Um, you know, because like you you said a second ago, it's like it's a juniper and it's it's an interesting choice to have a short, fat juniper because mm-hmm. junipers usually have very pronounced lines and they mm-hmm. are doing something very asymmetrical. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas junipers don't always grow like this. So it might be a little bit more of a naturalistic take on on their opinion on what like a juniper would look like a little twisted mm-hmm. short fat one that that has just enough resources but at the same time when i see a, a lot of deadwood on a juniper i always assume that there's some kind of tragedy or in its in its life that it that it went through either mm-hmm. high winds maybe a nearby fire that almost scorched it uh sun bleaching so mm-hmm. the the i Basically, what I'm saying is just asymmetry in junipers really wins wins the the you know it's the game winning thing right here mm-hmm. with these trees. So I personally think it's too balanced. Mm, I can see that. I could see. I mean, it's got really dense foliage. I'd love to see some more definition of the pads, and you might be able to create some of that asymmetry with without having to cut a whole branch off. Um, but I could see where you're going with it. I'm like. Nobody can see me except you, but I'm definitely closing my eye and like covering up parts of the tree <laughs> with my hand so that I can revisualize it. But I, th- I think I think I figured out why this one strikes me. I feel like juniper bonsai are generally very um, kind of elegant and graceful, even if they're real thick and fat, you know, like they've got these really light kind of cloud pads and these real twisty live veins and deadwood. And this one's just like it's just here. It's just like thick. It's a little like rock just in the ground <laughs> that you would stumble over, you know? So it looks very wild. Um, and maybe that's what I like about it. It's it's very wild and rustic looking. Mm-hmm. And I remember me and you had a conversation about uh, while we were there walking around this day, we were doing a bunch of tree critiques, just like kind of like just between me and you. And we just just for mm-hmm. brain brain games <laughs> and funsies. challenges. Uh, and one of the things I did mention to you is like, if there's a style that doesn't seem like the superior, like end all be all for this tree. Mm-hmm. And there's an appreciation for like another type of style or something that is purposely done a little bit more. I'll just say it like a little bit more simplistic, mm-hmm. you know, they like the, the grow, the grower and the caretaker of this tree, maybe they wanted to really emphasize the simplicity of, mm-hmm. of this tree's care. Uh, so yeah. A, and clip and grow is a good way to put it because I don't see any wire on this tree or any indica- indication mm-hmm. that wire was used to create its form. And I, and I like that. I kind of like mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean, that's one way to, to treat a juniper it just keep it in juvenile foliage and treat it, you know, like a needle juniper, mm-hmm. which maybe that's what they wanted to do. Yep. And I don't know if this was a, landscape plant or if it was collected from that area i don't know if hughes juniper is a native to the rockies um but you know either way uh yeah i feel like horizontalis is one that you can find in a landscape nursery so i'm curious whether this one was something like an old shrub pulled out of somebody's yard or i don't know if they are native i 
if yeah, it was urban yamadori that makes it even more interesting to me yeah and i love me some urban yamadori um mm-hmm. so yardadori yardadori um <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah the pot for this one this is one of those ones where not only does the tree need to move slightly to the other side that's a good opinion on it but this is a pot where i would change it to a bold straight wall looks like a brick pot no character to the pot just looks like a cinder block kind of type thing mm. um with a with a dark nice deep hearty uh glaze like not glaze i mean uh tone to the clay body mm-hmm. uh barely any foot just foots like straight to the straight to the ground you can barely see it you mm-hmm. know i think that would really make this tree shine even more with its animalistic unique kind of feel to it so uh yeah i, I think see that yeah because this unglazed container has some scenery on it and i'm just mm-hmm. and maybe it's Beijing. maybe we're reading the tree all wrong and it's meant could to be, be more Beijing. totally so, could be i would say for the feel. for the pot at the very least it's a little bit long so if you yeah. just even took two inches off of that pot um in that direction would, that you don't like would, it coming out yeah it would make it look even chunkier. Um, and here's here's a note on pot size for our listeners is uh, sometimes we can underpot trees and sometimes we can overpot trees. And I and this is, I think, a, a pretty common mistake early on is and, and it's all, it also could be a budget thing. Some people will get into bonsai and not expect to spend money on bonsai pottery but if you have a good bonsai source like a good i was going to say bonsai pot source but but if you have a good outlet to go get your bonsai pottery um then you should be able to find like the different sizes pretty easy um but if you're if your access to bonsai pottery is limited then yeah i could see choosing something that's slightly too big um, and I see I see oversized pots more than I've I see undersized. Um, yeah, I agree. So. I think people overestimate how much space their tree needs sometimes. I get what you mean. Uh, so next tree. Um, so the next one's a crepe myrtle. Um, and this is another tree that I wanted to talk about this one because I love crepe myrtles. Crepe myrtles were one of my first, actually was my first victim. I'm going to say, I'm just going to come out and say it. Uh, they are my first victims. Crepe myrtles in Louisiana are very, very common. Uh, everyone loves them and hates them because back in the day, whenever uh, these were in vogue to plant in your garden, uh, this I don't know if this was going to be like the 80s or the 70s or maybe the, I don't know where on what time people thought this was a good idea to start <laughs> just throwing crepe myrtles in the ground. Uh, but there's so many crepe myrtles here and it's it's nuts because these are one of the trees that and we should do a whole crepe myrtle episode because I think yeah, I, think I don't know are, enough about them. I just hear that people either love them or hate them. And usually it's hate them, but not in regards to bones. I just in general, people are always like, oh, more crepe myrtle. I don't get it. I, I think they're super underutilized species i think they're used i think they're used to not their full potential there's so mm-hmm. much more we can get out of this species um, are they messy like is that why people don't like them as street trees like do they make a mess well okay are so they, there's a couple of things they do yeah okay. that's a, that's a good point 
Um, one of the things they do is they grow like here in the Southeast United States. So it's like Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Alabama, Georgia, yada, yada. They grow so fast and they grow mm. so rampant and their roots that I've never encountered roots like I've had on a crepe myrtle. That crepe myrtle has a root where you cut into it and it's so sharp. It will cut your Ooh. finger like it'll cut, oh. it, it comes to like a blades point. So Jesus. they have the most brutal roots and you cut the roots and you could sever the tree from you could have the main root system of the crepe myrtle and you can mm -hmm. have the runner coming off of that and you could sever that and the runner will become its own tree. And then the tree uh. that was cut off won't even care. OK, so They're, it's essentially bamboo with a flower on it. Yeah, it's like bamboo with a vengeance. It grows yeah. into multiple trunks and it will completely take over if you don't watch it. Okay. Um they I crack they crack sidewalks and driveways. They you chop them down and let's say you chop it down and then like you were to abandon that that thought of the chopping mm -hmm. that tree down in 10 years it's it's right back where it was. You you can chop the thing flat to the ground and suckers will come back and it's it's there again um the flowers yes the flowers are messy they um they flower very strongly through uh i think their their flowering time just started now so they're just starting to come mm. into bloom so they're from for us it's like late may going into uh late august is when they finally stop oh wow uh so their flowers are big giant clusters mm -hmm. of, of blooms and they can vary from uh it's like, oh, we should do an episode on crepe myrtles. And then Evan goes straight go. into it. <laughs> no, but their clusters can be massive. I mean, we're talking like uh like a like a foot long of flowers. I've seen them like hanging over streets just like because they're so heavy with flowers. Yeah. The flowers yeah. get so heavy, the branches literally like droop oh down. God. Um and yeah, and the litter from the flowers is pretty immense because they make a lot of flowers and they don't stop. They mm -hmm. have a long flowering period, and then the seed pods come out and those can even germinate on certain varieties and then they can spread yeah. uh, invasive as hell. And so yeah. the one of the biggest complaints with crepe myrtles is that people will plant them next to their homes as well. And they get mm. aphids really bad. Uh. And if you don't treat your crepe myrtles, aphid, uh, aphid uh, runoff. What's the what's the proper word? Honeydew. For it? Yeah, there you go. Honeydew everywhere. Black, you know, black <laughs> your walls, black your AC unit, black Gross. your vinyl your you know everything and it gets and you have to pressure wash your driveway to get all that crap up yeah so yeah so they were so what you're really saying is that grape myrtles are terrible in the landscape so you might as well just pull them up and turn them into bonsai yes okay i will i will say that bonsai hunting seasons oh uh like yamadori on crepe myrtle hunting season yamadori crepe myrtle season is always open go out there and pull these things out of the ground because mm -hmm. when you pull them out of the ground, don't matter what what you get. If you chop that thing back real hard, and you got a little bitty tiny bit of root on there. Stick it in the soil and just water the hell out of it. It's gonna come back. I mean, mm -hmm. these things are tough, and that's why I say yeah. like they were my first victims. Because mm -hmm. I mean, oh, I did some really crazy cutbacks on these trees. <laughs> I I did things with carving on them that was just not right like drill holes yeah. through their trunks and, and they mm. take it to an certain mm -hmm. extent until it right. boils in the sun or freezes to death um mm -hmm. but yeah i chose this tree to critique because it takes me back to a simpler time it takes me um <laughs> it, 
it, it takes me to a place with crepe myrtles that I, I, I really want to get back to again. I think this tree, I think this tree is awesome. Um, and I would like to hear your take on it, uh, Carmen, because whenever it comes to the deadwood feature on this tree, mm-hmm. I don't know where this tree was collected. Um, if it, if there's, if there is a uh, crepe myrtles in the Rockies, I don't know. Um, if they're like a landscape tree they use, it gets really cold. So I don't know if it I would... don't think they would live over live over the winter, but you would have to greenhouse this. Yeah. And in my range, this is a deciduous plant. It loses its leaves. It's like a deciduous tree here. And some other ranges, it never drops its leaves. So um, but what I look at with that trunk, that screams like mm-hmm. New Orleans, like go down to New Orleans and you see crepe myrtles that look like that all day long. These trees that are like a hundred plus years old, they some of them have seen like the century of like of the city back in the day, and they're abused. Like they've been ran into with like cars. They've been cut branches have just been sliced off of them for no reason to clear them for like get them off the streets. They've grown into the concretes and melted over the sides. And this tree screams that to me. It has that mm-hmm. twisted nostalgia crepe myrtle, old craggy holes punched in it. Um, and I think it's a better description descriptor of like a, of like an urban tree. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm coming from this. It's not a natural depiction of what these trees do, which is a big, massive canopy tree with Mm -hmm. a smooth, very smooth bark that exfoliates. Instead, we get this rough bone white deadwood that I've seen. I don't know Mm -hmm. about you, Carmen. How, how, how does this tree hit you after you hear my rant on it? So I love the trunk of this tree and all of the deadwood. Um, two things specifically. Okay, three things specifically. Mm-hmm. One being that usually when you have deadwood, um, you still are able to see where the live vein is somewhere in the front. And I can't quite see it. So I'd love to see this tree from an angle where you can also see where the live vein connects to the soil line mm-hmm. um but that that's not as important to me as you know if that didn't happen i don't know that i would care that much because the trunk is so interesting um this tree overall feels uh not ready to be shown it feels mm-hmm. young the trunk is old but the branching isn't there um i would cut back because there's so much natural deadwood and then kind of where it stops, it's this blunt point. So I would actually maybe take it down to where that live branch is coming off to the um, right there mm-hmm. and make sure that that's like really your next move with this tree. And then somehow make this other this other deadwood point kind of real craggy so that it kind of matches. Because right now it just feels like kind of a blunt cut. Um, yeah. But I think I just think that this tree needs more time. Um, the trunk is there. But the branch development just it hasn't it just isn't there yet. Um, but I think it's something that in, I don't know how fast this is going to grow in Denver or from wherever it's from. But in you know five ten mm-hmm. years the branching could be really really amazing. Um, I mean what's there right now structurally looks like it has good movement. Um, in in the the young branches there's good movement. Um, so just making sure that that develops with taper and to get it ramified and thicker and older um and then maybe a different pot um i -hmm. like the pot but it seems like ultimately the tree could use something a little bit more i don't know maybe rugged um 
I like I like that it has a color, but I think I might like something a little bit less. And I feel like this tree was it's probably just I didn't see a name tag for it. So it might have just been mm -hmm. part of the collection, but I did want to talk about it based off of like all your points are very valid for that. Mm -hmm. And I and I and it's it's one of the times that I kind of like might go in and be a little bit more controversial with the way I would approach this tree. Because mm -hmm. I, I enjoy, I see what you're saying, like developing the branch structure, but the way that I know crepe myrtles, <laughs> the way that I understand them, Carmen, no, mm -hmm. uh, no, the way I know them, this is not too far off of how I would present this tree. Mm -hmm. um, so, because there's, there's something to the minimalistic nature to this tree because... Mm -hmm. It's not one of the small leaf variety crepe myrtles. So one of the things that you'll always have an issue with, with this one in particular, is that the fact that the leaves are going to always be that big. I've mm -hmm. done a lot of leaf reduction work on, on crepe myrtles. You can get them down to a reasonable size, but on some larger leaf varieties, it's it's just, it's never going to happen, really. It's very tough to get them to do that. Um, so this is probably the quality of the leaf on this tree. So if that's the case, if your leaf is bigger, and this is this is my take on it with with presenting bonsai, I do agree that that's a blunt cut where that comes up, mm -hmm. uh, and I see a little bit of live vein. Mm -hmm. I this is a this is a different take on on how a tropical or a bonsai is displayed, mm -hmm. and so the only thing I would change. As far as the design, I, we do have this this branch that comes off the top of that chop is what I would call it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would take that branch and shorten it for one and and show off that branch that is to the right that kind of comes up and it twists around the backside. I find that to be very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, emphasize that movement and take away from yeah. the those front facing ones. And I would probably even carve that bad boy down into and this is the one, it's like Evan's just over here chopping everything off of these trees. I would cut all those branches off and go into that one line and mm -hmm. almost do something literati-esque. I know we were talking mm -hmm. about, oh, if it's a failing tropical, don't just go for a literati style. But this tree, knowing the way that crepe myrtles grow, there's enough bottom branches that we could do something that could embellish that deadwood and really show off that deadwood more. And mm -hmm. I do agree that the that the pot isn't correct because mm -hmm. it feels weird for what this tree is. Yeah. But the I think the pot's worth playing around with. You could do some crazy stuff with the pot with this, in my opinion. Yeah. The, you know, um, there's this one type of pot that I've seen. Um, we have a potter nearby called, uh, his name's called, he goes by the name of Byron Myrick. He's called Byron. Um, but no, mm -hmm. uh, he, he made a pot that I have in the shop that I've, kind of been back and forth on it's been sitting there because i could see why a lot of people don't like it and would be kind of weirded out by this pot but the the lip of the pot like the the rim the lip is like super exaggerated mm -hmm. so it like comes out and have you seen i'm sure you've seen stuff like this before carmen uh where it's a basic bone size shape but then the top is like it's like surrealism like it just yeah. comes out really far yeah um, I really enjoy that pot and I like that design. And I feel like trees like this with a lot of expressionism mm -hmm. in them would be suited for something like that. I don't know if that's the right pot, but it takes could, us to another world. With you that. could go a little bit kind of 
modern arty with it or like you could you could take it to a little bit more of an extreme because it's a different different kind of tree yeah um i what if i'm looking at chopping things off since we're talking about it what if you do you see where that live branch comes off of the trunk and then takes a hard turn to the left yeah that's the one i actually kind of like yeah so were you saying cut everything above that off cut everything that goes along to that trunk line off yeah yeah I like that. So if you just had that branch going to the left, because otherwise, if you're going to go back and forth and then up to the right and keep the, that canopy kind of towards the right, you get this real se kind of tree. But if you just cut it so that, you know, the next movement is that sharp left, um, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. That's a lot more interesting. And I think I really do think the chop is distracting me here. And so if that were whittled down somehow or the taper was, you know, kind of so it wasn't as like blunt. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, could see that. I think you could go as be... far as to like carve it like sh- really sharply into that. Yeah. Um, cray marls are are durable plants, mm-hmm. so it this thing could take it. Well, and... and considering how much is there on the bottom versus how smooth the deadwood is up towards the top, you could really do a lot more with it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's a crepe myrtle. One of the things that uh. I witnessed whenever I was early on in bonsai was I was walking around Guy Guidry's nursery when I first met him and there was a crepe myrtle that he really didn't enjoy mm-hmm. and he took out his his bypass pruners and he chopped this like two inch trunk to the to flat to the ground like to like a couple inches tall and he said if uh if you can't work with it then you ought as well just start over so mm-hmm. that's kind of one of the things too is like this tree could be cut where that comes up Mm-hmm. You can see where they get that one knot where it feels natural and then suddenly it goes smooth. You could cut it there. Mm-hmm. If you've got live wood back there, cut that thing down. And then you could yeah. build like that, that dense foliage mm-hmm. over the top of that. But then I feel like it would be a little contrived. So, mm-hmm. Oh, that word again. Yeah. Contrived. Contrived. It's <laughs> yeah. bonsai. Everything's contrived. Everything's an idealistic. But I, I, know, I, 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 know, <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, actually, I'm glad that we talked about this one because I really... To be honest, I overlooked this tree because I thought that the branching just wasn't I didn't think the branching matched the trunk. But after mm-hmm. talking with you about it, I can see a lot more potential in it than I could to begin with. Um and so yeah. I, I really do appreciate that. It it's a fun tree. And... I mean the trunk is amazing. I yep. just would love to see the top half match the bottom half in as you know, as far as age goes. Or I mean, not age necessarily, but like in kind of maturity. Um yeah. So and, and that's the thing with crepe myrtles. If you uh if you ever get your hand on one, I mean I can dig one up for you. Yes, please. Uh, uh, there's so that that's like I said, underutilized. There's so much to be done mm-hmm. with it. Um I've seen people down here do some wacky, crazy stuff with them. And then outside of Louisiana, it's difficult to find them like mm-hmm. that. So yeah. uh that's why I was like, this is this is a awesome, this is an awesome start. There's it's a cool lot that, that it was could be represented done. there too, because there was so much so many alpine conifers it was nice to see um some variation and actually i'm like looking at it from a distance now and it kind of looks like a horse's skull like the bottom of the yeah. base of the trunk it's kind really of like neat. kind of like bringing up like nick lynn's kind of qualities yeah there's yeah so, sculpture in that deadwood there's cool. definitely room for that type of stuff mm-hmm. um but yeah let's move on to our next tree it's um that's the bristlecone pine but yeah this this tree I don't see a lot of bristle cones. It's extremely uncommon in my range for sure. 
Yeah. Um, I think their range goes from like Arizona, Utah, Colorado, just all like uh, mid, uh, not Midwest, uh, Southwest range. And do you guys deal with these? Do you have any? Like, no, I've never really dealt with bristlecone. Okay. Um, yeah, bristlecone's weird. I know it. It kind of got popular for a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, they started blowing up because of the the American species, like Mer- North American bone size species movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was starting to kind of come up. And I don't know if bristlecones. I've seen some good bristlecones, but I don't. Uh, and I and I can't base it off of this one because. I've only seen a handful of bristle cones. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that I remember w- like walking to the garden and seeing this tree, I remember overhearing somebody talking to the curator, uh, which by the way, the curator's name was Larry Jackal, Larry, Larry Jackal. Awesome guy. Um, if you go to the Colorado Botanical Gardens, he maintains a beautiful collection. Um, so, yeah. And I remember talking to uh, the curator and, and somebody was like, is this tree sick? And they were like, he's like, no, it's a bristlecone pine. If you look really close on those needles, there's like the little points of sap all over them. Mm, they're it's supposed very, to look like that. It's very weird. Uh, That's very weird. I, they like bleed out. Like they just kind of, every once in a while, they just kind of go through this cycle where the, they kind of bleed out into their needles. And they got these little white specks all over them. Um, but yeah, I find them to be very intriguing. I'm, I'm very happy that this has been picked up like these North American natives are starting to really shine. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, the the way we're looking at this image, it's it's turned. I know that's a little distracting, but I'll fix the image for Instagram. Um, but yeah, uh, this this bristle cone was your your pretty straightforward size wise. Like this is like your ideal size bone side tree. So those needles are quite big. They're bigger than. Well, they're not big. They're coarse. They're they're thicker mm-hmm. than you would expect on some some pine varieties, you know. Um, so, I mean, we looked at a lot of ponderosa. I say that we are like in a world of ponderosa out there, and all the ponderosa ponderosa pines have anything from like four inch long needles down to like half inch long needles. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but the 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 kind of bushy pom 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 nature of bristle cones, you can do a lot with this, but. Um, but there, there is something to be said about this tree because I, without without even going too far, I know this is a collected tree um, because of the way the root system is, mm-hmm. and the way that the way the artist has chosen to get the angle they need it at the at the compromise of showing those roots pop up out the back of the container. That's one of the things that really stands out to me, but. I don't really have much of an issue with it because of the Yamadori appreciation and aspect of these trees. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, so my biggest comment about this tree is that it doesn't, if I didn't know it was a bristle cone, I wouldn't think it was a bristle cone. It's styled a lot more to me like a lodgepole or a spruce or a larch would be. And um, not that that's necessarily a, bad thing but i feel like when you see bristle cone in the wild they're very kind of straight trunked twisty um really rugged looking trees where this one is very very graceful um so again it's not a bad thing it's just not what i would expect from a bristle cone Mm. um 
And um, I do, I really like the roots on it. Um, I think it's, I think that you could get a lot out of this tree if you took off the top one third to half of the canopy Hmm. um, and brought it way down. Um, You would lose that kind of tall elegance that it has, but it would be a really interesting mature rounded canopy um even if you keep the the angle that it's at i think just compressing the top a little bit bringing that top apex kind of down with the other two branches just below it to really round that crown out would be a big improvement mm-hmm. um it's an interesting tree uh, i like what they did with the roots i like the deadwood i like that it's front and center um but yeah it it doesn't read as bristlecone to me but like i said not necessarily an issue yeah um and i agree with the top the top kind of comes to a point mm-hmm. and this was this was one of the other discussions that we were kind of uh kind of going mm-hmm. over and i feel like i want to kind of go over like a uh i hope this is the right way to say it neo classical uh classes classical neoclassical mm-hmm. neoclassical it's mm-hmm. uh in in the uh in like a art history observation type uh, setting, we're referring to to styles that are a reflection of what what once was, and someone is coming in, bringing that and updating it slightly, but still appreciating where it came from. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pointed crown on this one, I I like it, but I think it's a like I do agree that it's a little too pointed. Mm-hmm. I would still keep. A pointed crown but soften it a good bit so like where that where that final piece of the the canopy the apex comes up and then curves mm-hmm. out slightly mm-hmm. i just cut it off and yeah, come down to that that piece that points back to that really cool deadwood piece that is just not it's kind of just taken away from when the line draws really hard that direction of mm-hmm. course this would completely morph the directionality of this tree uh yeah. if, you took, if you took that piece off Right. Which, Uh, which I think I would, I mean, I would cut it back all the way so that the deadwood is the tallest part of this tree. Um, So even that bit that's pointing towards the deadwood, I would take off. It would completely change the directionality, but I think, I think I like it. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't want to like say something that would bring it to this point where I'm not saying that, that that's what you were saying, uh, Carmen, is that when it Mm -hmm. comes up, from that where the takagari hits that first branch mm-hmm. that that thing is so s-curve mm-hmm. and so i think if you brought that crown down too far you might just hit that like super s-curve tree yeah and you lean into that into that way too much because it went mm-hmm. with the way that that crown draws your eye up through that then you see the rest of the movement in that so mm-hmm. maybe i would even think is to go because this this is my impression with 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 pines or conifers, stuff like this, the trunk, if the trunk line is brilliant, like this one is, and the tree is taller and skinnier, mm-hmm. uh, less weight in my, you know, kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. Uh, so maybe even that branch that drops to the, to the, to the, uh, from the left to the right on that right side, maybe even mm-hmm. dialing that in. Yeah. And making the tree even stronger, like a slope. Mm-hmm. because I think there's something to be said about like the way that the trees grow in that area. 
and this is yeah. a bone side culture. This is a completely mm-hmm. different culture than me and Carmen understand. So, mm-hmm. um, so, but I remember I, what, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, I, I agree with you, um, that it is a very thin trunk. So making sure that the pads are nice and tight and kind of close to the trunk, um, even reducing some of it could be, could be helpful. Not even necessarily reducing it, but compressing it a little bit more inwards. Um, tall, skinny trunk, shorter, smaller pads. Mm-hmm. If you have a thicker trunk, you can get away with um, uh, bigger, heavier looking pads. But I think too, there is a bit of an S in this trunk and the roots are so interesting. They're kind of towards the back. This is one where I wonder if you rotated it slightly counterclockwise. Um, what would happen? At all, if you might be able to minimize that s because more movement isn't always better movement especially if it gives you an s or a c or something like that so i wonder if um even just rotating this a little bit would give you slightly um more a different different movement i'd be curious you were going to say something i cut you off oh no, no no it's fine i mean i was just kind of going on about bonsai cultures but mm-hmm. uh but we we are we are running short on time, so we uh, we me and me and Carmen have agreed that we would pick up uh, critiquing the, some more trees. It, like like you said, uh, this this is always something good to to do to look at bonsai and talk about how to make them better as a teaching tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the at the same token, if you own these trees, like I said before, this is your tree. If this shows shows how this is how you choose to grow the tree, then it's yours. It's your bonsai. Um, but for teaching purposes, this is why we show and display bonsai is so that we can have a critical eye, mm-hmm. um, because, and this is something I do want to bring up in a later episode is how to appreciate people who are unfamiliar with bonsai. And we talked about this while we were walking around, mm-hmm. um, how, how to appreciate bonsai from people who don't understand it at all. Like, right. like right. they've never seen a bonsai or they they just don't know what they're looking at. They don't even know that this is a bonsai. They look at this and they go, oh, that's, that's interesting. And it that's becomes cool. purely art. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I would love to do a, a whole talk on the way of seeing things. There's actually a book uh, that I would like to read through and then kind of refer to for it. But, uh, mm-hmm. but it was a BBC publishing. It's called the way of the way of seeing things, I think is what the title was, but I'll have to yeah. That that would be a great topic because I, that would bring it up. Yeah, go ahead. I think I think we should because there's definitely a way. The way we're looking at it is through the eye of a, you know, a bonsai artist who's looking specifically at structure, plaid pa- placement, um, plaid placement. I'm in. I'm I'm deep in Portland right now. Plaid <laughs> placement. Um, you know, yeah. trunk line, like all these really specific things about structure and layout of these trees not mm-hmm. even considering what's the impression of the tree when you walk up to it which is what most people are experiencing most people are experiencing trees they're not looking at you know these very specific things so um it's a really interesting conversation kind of looking versus seeing bonsai um i i love to have that conversation yeah bonsai at a, at a eyes glance uh, mm-hmm. next time on on BBC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Next time on little things for bonsai people. Um, but yeah. Uh, do we have enough time for the word of the day really quick? We got four minutes. Let's go. Okay. Four I have minutes. to get to the park. <laughs> yep. 
Four minutes. Uh, bonsai word of the week. Ooh, what is it? Defoliate. Ooh, defoliation. Oh, God. I could do a whole episode on defoliation. Quick summary of what defoliation is. Go. Oh God, didn't we talk about this already? Um, and in, in other episodes, but it is the because yeah, yeah, our last no, defoliation our, is our last bonsai word of the week was the candle, so I thought this was appropriate. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Defoliation is the act of removing entire leaves um or half or parts of leaves in order to stimulate back budding and to allow light to penetrate the canopy and stimulate back budding yeah energy balance balance the energy of a deciduous tree yeah and i do a lot of deciduous and you do a lot of deciduous in your range Mm -hmm. um balance energy balance uh by the way at the time of this episode's release which will probably be tomorrow um from when we're recording it's a pretty great time to defoliate a lot of trees i was just doing that before i got on here yep you want to defoliate because the sun is going to get super intense and you don't want to over transpire and you don't want to shade out uh certain parts of your trees that are going to be really getting the sun in the next couple of months Mm -hmm. here um one of the things i feel like with defoliation that really needs to be talked about too is defoliate then rotate and then rotate Mm. when you get the growth where you're not getting balance and then rotate again 90 Mm -hmm. degrees every week Mm -hmm. that's in my opinion and from the way that i treat my bonsai especially my deciduous that i'm trying to increase ramification increase quality of of mature branching defoliate get some air space in there turn the tree and then turn it again and then turn it again until we get to the, the end of this cycle of back budding mm-hmm. because every little light angle in there is not gonna you know you're not gonna hit everything with every angle of light mm-hmm. so unless you're like in the middle of a field and the sun's directly overhead exactly yeah which most of us don't have that most cases there's a fence in your house and your and your shade cloth and your and just, other trees and other trees in the way yeah so yeah defoliate rotate your tree get light in there back bud deciduous trees don't defoliate your junipers no uh, no, no don't do that yeah. So, and don't and then, don't fully defoliate. No, even a full defoliation isn't actually a full defoliation. It's all it's all a trick. Um, and then different species are full or partial. Like you wouldn't defoliate a beach, but but you would partially defoliate a beach, which surprisingly isn't taking off. You know, every other leaf. It's actually cutting the leaves in half. And then tridents are different than Japanese maples, and elms are different than all of those, and yada yada yada. So, um. Definitely look into uh, what tree, you know, look into the techniques of how to defoliate your specific tree. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I love defoliation time. It's fun. It's this is a light touch on this topic, too. Just remember that for all. Oh, we could go. There. We could talk for yep. hours. It's so hard with word of the week. Maybe we should always make like the next episode as a follow up on word of the week. So I can just no, vomit it, out all of the information. I know it gives us more time to think about it and revisit it. But uh but yeah, we're we're coming to the end here. Uh, let's go ahead and just say it real quick um, for our listeners. Thank you for listening this far in. Um, thank you. You can go over to Little Things for Bonsai People on Facebook and Instagram. Follow there. Go check out some content. We're uh, we're working on the Facebook page. Give us some time. Uh, you can go over to Patreon.com forward slash Little Things for Bonsai People. Become a five dollar patron. Best bud. You can be a bonsai best bud. You can drop into our Discord, talk to us, hang out with us, 
I see some trees going in there, some project trees. People are talking about uh, trees they want advice on. This is a good time to start talking. Earlier, the better. Uh, and I then, haven't been in there for like a week. I gotta, I'm going to go on there. Yeah. And we might even have to schedule a time that we drop in and say, hey, we're going to be chatting and, and living it up. We're going to be partying in the Discord. Um, and then head over to underhillbonsai.com. Go check out my stuff. Go to all the Instagrams, Facebook stuff for Underhill. Uh, and then for Carmen... Uh, you can find me at, uh, becoming bonsai on Instagram, um, on Facebook under my real name and under becoming bonsai. And, uh, you can check out the purple pot society, the international women's bonsai group. Um, uh, let's see, where are we? We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on the world wide web. Um, and then check out Mike. Where's Mike at? Yeah, he's he's about to uh, shoot over to to Texas and start oh, teaching some showhin workshops. Ooh, fun! So, yep, go over to kitsunebonsai.com. Yeah. Go check out Mike. Mike's he's awesome on guy. Facebook and Instagram as well. Yep, cool. Well, thanks for hanging out, Carmen. We'll pick up on uh, critiquing some more trees and looking at some bonsai, and uh, I think we'll have a special guest. I have someone lined up uh, for next week, so we'll see what we get. But yeah, Yay. thanks for hanging out today. Okay, bye.